Ah, welcome. Please, step right this way. How about a little music to set the mood? Welcome to the edge of reality. The realm of the paranormal. The unexplained. The strange. The unusual. Those things that go bump in the night. I am your host, the Southern Spectre. I hope you boys and ghouls are ready for a dead time story. <laughs> Please, pull up a chair, settle in. And cozy up for the Southern Spectre podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as with me, as always, is my co-host and wonderful human being, Lexi. Lexi, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I don't know if I could live up to those glowing recommendations of myself, but I appreciate it. How are you today? Of course. Absolutely. Um, You know, I'm doing good. Uh, We are, Thanksgiving is just right upon us. It's not far off. Yeah, it's not far off. Um, and yeah, and you are one of the things in my life that I am thankful for. I'm thankful well, I have a co-host that uh, that's that's waiting on me to to get my crap together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do my best. Likewise, I appreciate it. Uh, yes, welcome everyone to the Thanksgiving. This is the main course. This is the main course Thanksgiving Turkey. episode of that's right of the Southern Inspector Podcast. And uh, before we go any further, just wanted to just wanted to tell you real quick about uh, Miss Frances Berry and Barry Bow and the collaboration that we had. I mentioned this last episode, uh, but yes, earlier this year, my son actually lost his brother uh, in a horrific uh, drunk driving accident. And I bring this uh, to your attention uh, because there's a way you can help out, um, and that's by purchasing a a bow tie. Uh, or necktie, or even a pocket square that I myself have teamed up with Miss Frances Berry of Berry Bow in Charleston, South Carolina to help create. It is red in color, and it actually has a black bear on the bow tie. Uh, there's def- several different styles of these. You can go on her website, Barry Bow, B-A-R-R-Y-B-E-A-U-X.com to locate the- these bow ties, as well as a host of other great handcrafted materials that she has composed together and placed in her store there. And uh, yeah, when any, any of these bow ties that you purchase for yourself or for a loved one as a gift at any given time, uh, half of the proceeds that are generated from the sale of these bow ties will be donated in my son's brother's name uh, at mad, which is mothers against drunk driving. So 
we appreciate appreciate it. Any anything that you guys can do, if you feel it upon your heart to, you know, make that contribution, then we thank you uh, most definitely. Just be careful out there. There are a number of celebrations and parties happening this time of year, and we just ask that each and every one of you please be careful. Uh, always has a have a designated driver, and uh, just be safe out there on those holiday roads. So anyway, back to the show. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to that. Um. Lexi, I am ready to dive in. The table is set, and you, dear listener at home, you are our guest, and thank you, and welcome to our home, and welcome to our dinner table. I'd like to start you all off with something that has, in the past few years, has grown quite near and dear to my heart. It's one of those things that every year it kind of comes out, and this is the only time you can get it, I say that. Uh, but you can make it anytime at home, but I prefer to go to the store and purchase it. And it's one of those things to kind of signal in my head that the holidays are officially upon us. And that is the cheer wine holiday punch. Have you ever had any, Lexi? I can't say that I have. Okay. Have you had a cheer wine? I haven't. What? I, I'm that's right. a wine person. Well, it's not actually wine. It's not wine. Okay, what okay. is it? See, now you're talking that Yankee talk. <laughs> <laughs> cheer wine. Cheer wine is. Uh, I guess it's. I guess it's only a Eastern, you know, United States. Uh, yeah, that's for South, you folks. Southeastern, yeah, Southeastern United States. Do you guys have? Um, what is it? Is it Big Red? Do you have Big Red there? Yeah, yeah. Or is it? There's another one I've heard of. Ale Eight. Is that one? Never heard of yeah. that. Big Red. Okay. Big Red's okay. it. Okay. Big Red must be it then. Okay. Um, I have had a Big Red before. Um, it. I guess it would be kind of similar to our cheer wine. Um, not saying cheer wine isn't sweet, but uh, from my taste buds, told me that Big Red is a little bit sweeter. And it's really uh, sweet. a little, yeah, it it is kind of sweet in my opinion. But um. All right, so this is something that that started being produced in bottles. You can find it in Walmart, two-liter bottles. And uh, I like to get them out of the store because I don't have to buy a bunch of different, you know, ingredients to make the punch. Just to give you a little rundown, cheer wine is, uh, I'm trying to think, it's a a cherry-flavored soft drink is what it is. Mm -hmm. So for the holiday punch, they actually take that and they take the cheer wine along with some ginger ale and some pineapple juice and you you get you know you mix that together and now you have your holiday punch and to make that holiday punch real quick easy recipe to remember two liter two two liter bottles of cheer wine one two liter bottle of ginger ale and two 46 ounce cans of unsweetened pineapple juice and throw that all together and there you go that's your holiday punch and a uh, little bit of a quick tip here. And uh, this actually comes from their website. And I thought it was pretty cool. If you take a bunt pan, like a bunt cake, uh, cake pan, if mm-hmm. you grab some like pineapple slices, cranberries, they recommend mint leaves. Uh, I'm not sure mm. about that. <laughs> but no. if you uh, if you put all that in the bunt cake pan and then pour some of this liquid in there, then you freeze it. So That's you freeze that. Yep. I've never done that. Never heard of it. You freeze all that together and you, you know, a few hours you have an ice ring. 
But you take that, you know, like I said, you pour some cheer wine in there or some of your punch. And then so to keep the the rest of the punch cold, you just take your ice ring out and drop it in your punch. It doesn't water it down and it doesn't lose flavor. And before long, you have a very festive looking sangria. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty smart. Yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, So definitely I'm going to try that this year because I actually went to Walmart. Yeah, it's hard to keep that punch, uh, especially the ones in the bottles. We don't make it often, but I just usually buy the bottles. And mm-hmm. so it's very hard to keep any in stock here at our house. Um, right. So I have to, you know, look, I have to restrain myself. And then I have to turn <laughs> around and try to re- refrain everyone else. So Right. So I wonder if you could make that with Big Red for the people in this it- part of the world. It's a possibility. You know what? Let's uh, let's look at that. My husband has made several different flavored sherbets out of, I think he's made a big mm. red one, a Mountain Dew flavored one, an orange soda flavored okay. one. Okay. Think of that. Yeah. All right. So here is one called the Big Red Punch Recipe. Okay. It says you could serve your guests Big Red Soda right out of the bottle or can, but punch made from this retro soda is a fun treat for a party or special occasion. So let's see. Where, where are you going to tell me the recipe? Oh, I got to sign in. Dadgum, it's Pinterest. <laughs> it's just a drink recipe. Heck, I, I know, right? Under lock and key, though. Where's it at? Show it to me. All right. So this, you t- wow, actually, it's pretty much the same <laughs> recipe. Oh, the same as the cheer wine? Yeah. It says you oh, take okay. two two liter bottles of Big Red. One 46-ounce can of pineapple juice, one 2-liter of 7-Up or Canada Dry ginger ale, and it says chill, uh, big red pineapple juice, and 7-Up Canada Dry. When ready to serve, mix together in a punch bowl and serve over crushed ice. Hmm, pretty much the same. Well, if you're in that part of the world, have your, what'd you call it, cheer wine? Cheer wine. Okay, and then around here, get your big red and... Make a party out of it. Now, let me ask you, do you guys have any uh, family punches or holiday punches that you guys have served uh, at your dinner table, you know, for holidays and stuff like that over the years? Not really, anything? no. Mm-mm. We usually drink sweet tea or mm-hmm. soda. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not um, as festive as we could be. I understand. Um, now I do not know the name of it and maybe someone around here actually does, but my, my mother started with my grandmother. I remember my grandmother, my aunts and my mom always putting together a holiday punch that it was the same every year. It never got old. It was one of my favorite things to look for as a kid. And, uh, it, it is sweet but uh it's got some good flavors in there um i know it involves i cannot tell you the recipe i think it's got seven up or either sprite in there uh you have some cut up sliced bananas um you have some pineapple juice i believe you also have some lime uh kool-aid really yeah it's it's very i don't even know how to describe it but it's very delicious I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. it, you know, as a it kid, always sound, felt. It no, almost go sounds ahead. more summery. It does. Um, 
yeah, it's got a lot of citrus flavors and everything in there. But uh, it, like I said, it's quite tasty. And as a kid, you know, holding it in your own plastic cup, like the little <laughs> clear plastic cups, like the little cocktail glasses, and sure. walking around, you know, listening to the rest of your family, na 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 na, you know, just running their mouth, it makes you feel like a big boy. So yeah, so fancy. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> so keeping with the same theme of Thanksgiving and cooking, uh, and, and I come across this the other day, and I found it quite intriguing. But the more I read about it, it kind of turns me off. So I apologize anyone out there who maybe has a um, a little bit of a weak stomach. Uh, it's not that bad in my opinion, but just some of the images I've come across with this thing is uh, quite horrendous. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. So eater.com. Uh, I read this article and production company A. Two, four, which is a, they put out a lot of horror movies. Okay. They have actually come out with their own uh, horror-inspired cookbook, and it's called Horror Caviar. Now, judging mm. from what I, some of the recipes I saw, this is stuff that would never show up in my kitchen uh, <laughs> because I just, we just, I just don't have it that way. I, I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know. These don't fall on my palate range. You know, maybe some of these for a special occasion or something like that, sure. you know, but th this is this is a little it, it's just not me. But on November 17th of this year, A24 released Horror Caviar, a cookbook that exploits and embraces our conflicting repulsion and craving for food as horror. Recipes are inspired by iconic beloved horror films like Takashi Miki's Audition, uh, which is happens to be bone and pork dumplings with black angel hair pasta uh dario argento's suspiria which is an as aspic tower studded with insect candy who eats insect candy <laughs> i don't even know what half of what you were talking about even is <laughs> okay let me back up a second <laughs> okay so you had me an insect candy okay so here we go here we go all right Recipes are inspired by iconic beloved horror films like the movie Audition, uh, Suspiria, Eve's Bayou, and it actually goes on behind each one of these movie titles to tell you what dish was inspired for that, you know, from that movie. For example, Audition was bone and pork dumplings with black angel hair pasta. Suspiria was an aspic tower studded with insect candy. I don't even know what aspic is. I don't even. Um, uh, Eve's Bayou was inspired to create red palm fruit shepherd's pie. Uh, now, if you've ever seen the movies, uh, The Witch, Midsummer, uh, what's the other one? Hereditary. Uh, if you've ever watched any of those movies, uh, mm -hmm. the production company A24, they're behind that movie. Uh, so, expectedly, a handful of A24 films like Ari Aster's Midsummer and Robert Eggers' uh, The Witch have dedicated recipes in the book. Devoted horror cinephiles will also be pleased by the inclusion of international, historic, and more obscure horror films as well, such as House, Mario Bava's Blood and Lace, and the Fungi Fear Fest Matango. Uh, so it goes on to say uh, 
the cookbook is kind of built to appeal to a certain type of millennial. That's why I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not why we don't know there. what that stuff is. Yeah, it says to appeal to a certain type of millennial. In other words, the type who can afford a $65 cookbook come coffee table book that isn't remotely practical. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound practical. I can tell you that. Exactly. Um, like, I said, like I said, some of these, you know, I just anyway. No. There's one recipe in here that requires pig feet, chicken feet, burdock root, several types of mushrooms and pine needles. Hardly things you'll have on hand all at once. I have a whole backyard of pine needles, sir. <laughs> I mean, if you want some pine needles, I can get you some pine needles. There you go. But you ain't going to find no chicken feet. Not in my house. Anyway, I know yeah. where I could, I could get some, but no, we're not you got doing shrooms that. in your yard. Um, yeah, actually, I just kicked some down not too long ago. <laughs> well, you got part of the recipe. It was those ones. Yeah, you know, when you walk through the yard, you just kick the shrooms and they just go flying yeah. all over. Yeah, that's me. Hate those things. That's me. Um, so I'm actually looking at a picture here of the, I guess, the table of contents and the, they have, like, for example, uh, this one comes from the movie. Now, some of these movies I've never heard of, but this one comes from the movie Hexen. And it says magical witches brew for eternal youth and love. And it says herbal sipping broth. Uh, so that must be okay. Yeah, they're broken down by first course, main course, so on and so forth. And then the movie Midsummer, the recipe that comes from that one is to the slaughter lamb chops in marigold jelly. Oh my. Yeah, no, this is this is way How above bougie. what we. I know this is way above what we cook in our house. And the herbal um, broth you were talking about, that basically sounds like tea. Yeah, the herbal sipping broth. Yeah, you might be right about that. Okay, so we also have a clay-baked rabbit. Um, mm. I, I've had rabbit before in my day, but it's more like a breakfast meal for up for me. It was anyway. It's like really? some, Yeah, some grits, some biscuits, and... Um, it, it tastes, uh, in my opinion, from what I remember it, uh, rabbit tastes a lot like cube steak. Okay. I've never had rabbit. Uh, no, it's not a bad thing. I've had I've had rabbit. I've had squirrel. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> More hillbilly uh, than I thought. I, I am. All those, to me, they kind of run together as far as taste goes. I know my granddad used to, you know, we, me and my dad would go over there early in the morning and he'd cook, you know, stew some rabbit and, and some gravy. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we'd eat that for breakfast. We'd have that, some grits and some biscuits or whatever. And, uh, like I said, it tastes like cube steak. If you've ever had cube huh. steak, it tastes like yeah. that. I mean, it's not really? bad by any means. Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. But this one goes on to say, like, sorghum stuffed beef heart with glazed mm. carrots and crispy duck fat potatoes. I could go for the duck fat potatoes, but I don't know yeah, about no beef the, heart. Yeah, I could handle the carrots. I could handle the potatoes, the beef heart. Meesh. Doesn't sound like a palate pleaser. Yeah, they also have a roasted leg of lamb and carrot flan. I've never had flan. Flan? Let's see. Flan, flan. This one also says, uh, okay, this is a snack. This is inspired by Candyman. It says chocolate and bee pollen chur churkella. I've never huh. heard of that. No, me either. No house shows how uncultured I am. Uh, <laughs> Same. 
Here's a multi-spectral slushy with rum. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Here is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre Steal Your Face Frika Frika Yuba Skin Chili. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, see, I don't want to see the word skin in a cookbook. In a chili, yeah. What's in it? Uh, it doesn't say. Uh, oh, it doesn't say. Let me let me scroll down a little bit and see. Here's what makes it worse. Inside the the cookbook, they have different uh, pictures. Like they did. I mean, in all honesty, it's like people. Uh, they tried to take food and then they tried to put it with like like in different scenes. Like they did a lot of photography for this cookbook. Uh, so they took individuals and they placed them in these scenes that the that the dish is inspired by, but then they added the food and stuff in there. And like this one scene here that I'm looking at, I'm assuming it's from the movie audition. It is just straight up grotesque. Uh, I don't care if it's real fake or not, but uh, (laughs) yeah, that would, that would not go over well in my kitchen. And uh, it it just doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I'm letting you guys know, you know, if you want to go pick this $65, uh, cookbook with all this nasty stuff in it. Y'all go right ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't know that. I can't say. I don't know what it tastes like. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like the Halloween foods? You know, they'll have the, I don't know, the hot dogs with the stuff wrapped around it that look like mummies, but then there are the nastier ones that look like blood and guts and whatever. What are your thoughts on those? I think one that just, just straight up disgusts me and it it's me, it, it you know, I have, I don't know where this fear comes from. It's not a really a fear, but it's just a, a disgust. Uh, and, and I think I know where it comes from, but you know, kids, kids nowadays will put, put almost anything in their mouth. And yeah. I remember, you know, balloons are made to float and, you know, it, it's supposed to be something happy, but I see a mm-hmm. number of kids or have seen a number of kids, even ever since when I was a child where they, deflate the balloon and then they would put the balloon in their mouth like it was some sort of pacifier or lollipop or something and i just thought that was the most disgusting what? thing yes you've never seen kids kind of like kids put the you? in uh, kind of kids you hanging around the i'm not hanging around kids other than my <laughs> own but <laughs> i mean you don't know my social circles that i run with well, I, I don't <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying that it just seems like this is a kid thing because yeah. even my kids, my kids have done it before and I will lose my cool with them. I hey, no, don't get that out of your mouth. Yeah. It just because makes it. Ugh. Just why? Why? Why do you want to do that? Yeah. I, I don't know, but it just, it bothers me. Uh, anyway, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going down the, the train of thought. You know, you talked about oh yes, you know, yes, I'm the, sorry, the book and whatever. And I brought up the Halloween foods. You know, I the nasty looking Halloween foods that are legitimate foods, but they put them together. You know, like they're right. real nasty. Okay. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I remember where I was going with it, and the reason being is because I come across this recipe one time, and it, like you, you know, you make your punch, and to keep the punch cold, they say you take like a like a latex glove, fill it with water, tie it off, <laughs> stick it in the fridge. And let the water freeze, 
And then once it's frozen, you drop it into the punch bowl. But you, of course, you take the latex glove off. Sure. I don't want my ice or my punch smelling like the inside of a latex glove. That's what I was going to say. Wouldn't it taste like latex That's ice? what I thought. I'm like, that is just nasty. Not not for me. Not my jam, Ugh. but, you know, maybe up. some people like that. There's uh, certain things that, you know, I think... I don't know. I think the some of the some of the recipes inspired around Halloween are a little bit more campy, a little bit more fun, a little bit more child friendly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those, they don't bother me. Not that we cook any of that stuff here in the home, but yeah. I mean, you know, there's I understand what you're saying. There's some of those they don't bother me. I I, I can yeah. appreciate some of the stuff, you know, the work that goes into it. You know, yeah. and even if it's a normal food that I would eat on a regular basis, if mm-hmm. it looks gross, you know, if they pimp it out and it looks all Halloween and just nasty, I can't eat it. I can't eat it. I enjoy looking at it, but I can't eat it. I understand. So kind of keeping with that theme, you know, asking about, you know, these uh, different holiday dishes. And, you know, we've talked about traditions and things that we do uh, in our families, things, dishes that we have. Um, I, I mentioned this to you the other day about, I come across this article on Buzzfeed. Um, I love Buzzfeed, by the way, they ask some actually yeah. interesting questions and, uh, they also get a lot of good responses. So, um, these are tweets, um, uh, that were, um, that people had asked about America. And I thought we would go through a few of these. Uh, so this is 33 things that are totally normal to Americans about the holidays that are completely weird to everyone else. <laughs> and I thought we would kind of go through these and kind of share our own takes on these. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, yeah, this is pretty interesting. I love these. So the first one is why do Americans send Christmas cards to literally everyone? Lexi, I'll let you go first. I'll be on. Why do they? I have no why idea. Do we don't do that. <laughs> we, you know, since my husband and I have been married, I don't think we have ever sent out a Christmas card. Ever. To tell you the truth. Um, but some people, it's like they get on Facebook and they ask for the home address of everybody on their friends list. You know, 800 people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. And they send them all a Christmas card. For one, postage is expensive. Christmas cards are expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I I definitely know some people that do that. And I don't know why they do it. We don't. I think we've done it once. Uh, if that. I don't even. I, I know we took pictures. I'll take that. Say that yeah. much. But we don't. You don't send a whole lot of Christmas cards. We get Christmas cards. And right. I keep telling my wife every single year, we need to send out Christmas cards. We need uh-huh. to take pictures and we need to send out Christmas cards. Yeah. And it never happens. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just us. It's just one thing that we just never got in the habit of doing. Because um, I love I love receiving them. Those are great. Oh, I do you know? too. Yeah. And some people like go above and beyond because I know uh, my aunt. Uh, now, she actually lives in uh, Texas. But they, they actually will send out, or they used to. I can't remember if we received one in a while. But either way, um, Aunt Colleen, if you're listening, yeah, I'm talking about you. But um, I know that uh, they they used to send out like a like a catch up letter, like to tell everybody the rest oh, of the family yeah. what they've been up to all year, sure. how like everything went. Letter. 
Yeah, something like that. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And of course, you get the, the traditional pictures in there and uh, mm-hmm. any other kind of like little newsletter and stuff. And so it was pretty interesting. But yeah, why do we do it? I have no idea. You know, I think, not saying this where it comes from, but in my head, when I always thought about those uh, get those cards being sent in the mail, I always thought season's greetings. Mm-hmm. That's where I, my mind yeah. would go to. You know, is hey, it's Makes the sense. season. I want to let you know that you need a a, a picture of our family in your home because we know during <laughs> yeah. the well you don't have it. Because <laughs> you don't have one. Now, see, I love getting, I love receiving Christmas cards too, and especially if they have, to me, if they don't have a picture in them, don't bother sending me a Christmas card. I want a picture of you and your family in a Christmas card. If there's no picture, <laughs> don't send it. Um, I got my first Christmas card this week actually, and it was a picture, and I loved it, and it's. I have it posted up in my kitchen right now. Um, yeah, but do we take the time to go, you know, coordinate outfits and take pictures and send out Christmas no. cards? We don't. No. I know some of my family is really good about it, but we, for whatever reason or another, I don't know. And I reckon because, like, as a kid with my parents, I don't ever recall, you know, my wife never did it. Or, uh, you know, maybe we did go take pictures. You know, we always took pictures, like, with Santa. And then, sure. of course, those would get distributed amongst family and friends or whatever. But yeah. as far as, like, just going out to, you know, the barn or the shed or the, the meadow or the hayfield or where, wherever <laughs> and take picture, we never did that. We, right. I just, we never did. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Well, here, it's you have to take your picture with the blue bonnets when the they're what? in season. Blue bonnets. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Now, Aunt Colleen may be able to shed some light on that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can. All right. So moving on, it says, why do Americans start celebrating Christmas in November? Hmm, I would like to know that myself. I don't know. I reckon the same question I have is why do we have to start bringing out uh, Christmas decorations when Halloween ain't over with? Huh? Because guess what? After Christmas is done this year, I'm starting to promote Halloween for next year because that's how bad it <laughs> yeah. ticks me off because Halloween had not even come around this year and all of a sudden now we're already uh we're already talking about Christmas. I said, "Why? We have it. We do this. It gets worse every year." And yeah. part 1, I blame it on the stores. Uh number 2, uh there was a lady, I think it was October 12th. I want to say it was October 12th. It may have been in September. I cannot recall which one, but she went to, uh, yeah, because October 12th seems a little late. I want to say it was September, like September 12th or 17th. She went to Lowe's to get Halloween decorations. No decorations. Nothing but Christmas. (gasps) Nothing but Christmas. I would have been livid. And (laughs) she was. I would have been livid. I, whoa, that, that's not even right, man. You don't want anybody to step on your holiday. Quit stepping on this one. Exactly. Like that? Take oh, personal vendetta against that. <laughs> uh, why do they do Halloween. that? I, I don't know. Why do we have to have, you know, unnecessary things in our Starbucks coffee? I don't know. Yeah, you're right there, too. <laughs> so just the commercialization of Christmas. I don't know. Yes. They got they want to get start on it early. It's a money maker. Let's start on it early. That's why the Grinch is one of the greatest Christmas movies. True. 
He put them in their place. So why do Americans decorate their Christmas tree using what looks like all of their belongings? <laughs> I like that. Uh, basically because uh, to, get, to, to shout out on that is because with most Christmas trees, uh, in my opinion, I would say that because we don't go out every every year and, you know, we don't throw out the ornaments we used last year or the year before that or the year before that. Right. We pretty much use what hasn't broken over the years and we place it all on the Christmas tree. I know right. my grandmother, she had she was never the one to have a huge Christmas tree in her home. And it was always a it was small to slat it was like a good medium uh Christmas tree. And uh-huh. of all the grandkids, she took she had uh like baby pictures of all of the grandkids and she put them in these little uh, picture frames and she would hang them on the tree and uh, mm-hmm. she was a sewer a knitter she loved doing that and she actually created like little uh, ornaments that she knitted for uh, each grandchild and she hung those on the tree oh, that's so nice. you know it's just little things like that but I promise you her ornaments never changed Right for that tree they never changed never saw new ones on it never saw anything less than what it was the year before I'm not one to go in on putting the popcorn uh, up on the tree. Uh, I'm not crazy about the popcorn. I don't understand it. Um, and if anybody ever said that, oh, it looks like snow. Uh, it just looks like popcorn in, <laughs> it just on looks the like tree. Popcorn. popcorn on a tree. Yeah. I, I don't know what the significance of that is. Um, I know here in the South, a lot of Southern women really go for decorating their Christmas tree. And whether that, you know, I remember one year I told my mom it was sacrilegious, but she put a, a, a bow on the top of the tree and had the, the, the strands of ribbon coming down along the sides of the tree. And I said, Mama, that ain't right. There ain't no star up there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you have to have an angel on top of the tree. Well, a star, an angel, some sort of tree topper. All she put up there sure. was a ribbon. I said, that thing don't light up. Can we plug this bow in, Mama? I didn't no, think I so. No, I don't think so. So, what, what what about you? How do you decorate your tree? Uh, pretty simply. Um, on the years that I put up a tree. Oh, I think I mentioned in the last episode I have a thousand dogs and it just gets ends up getting destroyed anyway. But like you said, you know, you buy your ornaments one time. Um, kind of come up with a color scheme that you like and, you know, you get some ornaments over the years, family ornaments, whatever. And it's like I said, it's pretty simple. Some ornaments. I think I have some white lights. I think they're just white lights. Um, I don't know if I even have tinsel. I don't know. It's pretty simple, though. Right. And a star. At the yeah. Top. I would. I would love to be able to decorate more for Christmas, uh, as as much if not more than I do for Halloween. Um, I am going to. Uh, put up some decorations this year i just haven't settled on what now last year for the house because we were brand new to the house we literally uh did not have a whole lot of lights uh we actually went out and we bought enough to string uh along the side of our roof and so it looks like icicles hanging down that's the type of lights we got they're icicle lights so uh those Uh those were interesting those were fun and then i also 
went to, I don't know if it was Lowe's or Walmart or whatever, but I bought like a little mini projector that projected like Santa Claus and snowflakes and stuff like that all along the side of the house. And that was cool. That was cute. But, you know, other than that, that's about all we go for. Do Americans actually go to random people's houses at Christmas and sing? Have any of you done this? And I guess just for context, this person here says they are they were watching Bad Moms 2 Christmas. <laughs> so, okay. I love that movie, by the way. Yes, those are good movies. Me, I've never done it. Have I seen Christmas carols? Yes. Have I gone to, you know, see, that's the thing. And he, he's, he mentions random people. Uh, when you live in a, such a small yeah. town around here, they're not just random at, at you know, at a, some point. Yeah, no one's random. random. Yeah, yeah, no one's random. They, like, hey, let's go bother Miss So-and-so or you know, yeah. whoever. Yeah, but, I've uh, done caroling before, uh, but it was like with the church and we knew that, you know, it was church members' houses yeah. that we were going to. So random people, no. Yeah, I've never done that either. So um, this American I, I like- doesn't do that. Yeah, me neither. Um, I like the concept behind it. Now, I'll tell you what I do. Yeah, uh, what I have done this year is that uh, I have a record player, and I set it up next uh, in the in our living room. And so I put on some sort of screen, you know, something festive on the television, and we get the candles uh-huh. real low. And if my fireplace worked, that would be great, too. But get some low lighting going on in there, and we put, you know, some Michael Bublé or Crosby or something on, and sure. there you go. You know, it's nice. nice and nice in the house. It does. Um, Very festive. Yeah, that's something we're gonna get to uh, for next month. Uh, is gonna be we're gonna do some, some Christmas Carol countdown. Uh, that would be uh, that'd be really great. I could have swore there were more Thanksgiving themed <laughs> of these uh, questions, but. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so here we go. We got some Thanksgiving ones here. All right, so do Americans treat Thanksgiving dinner like a warm-up for Christmas dinner, or is the meal (laughs) different? I would say the meal is one and the same. Uh, You may swap out a few dishes here and there, but for the most part, I think it's pretty much the same. And being from the South, and Lexi, you could probably back me up on this, but we treat, we house, right after Christmas, we have a New Year's dinner as well. Uh, Yeah, usually. So, you know, and it just, like you said, it just all runs together. But also on that same hand, uh, growing up in the South, these are a lot of these dinners and these dishes and plates and stuff. These are things that mama cooked every Sunday, uh, you know, for for dinner. And um, yeah, so, but yeah, this is something. So it wasn't just holiday yeah, this food, is just, it was all yeah, year round. This, that's right. So Now for Thanksgiving, you know, we always have turkey. To me, right. you can't have Thanksgiving without turkey. Even though I prefer ham, um, you can't have Thanksgiving without turkey. I Christmas, agree. though, we have a little bit more leeway at Christmas. Sometimes we'll have a Mexican food Christmas. We had a seafood Christmas one year. So, uh, yeah, they are, to me, they're completely different as far as the meals go. Christmas, I mean, at Thanksgiving is your traditional Thanksgiving. Right. You have the turkey, the dressing, the cranberry, whatever. Christmas is a wild card. That's pretty good. That's pretty interesting. And I like that. Um, see, I would like to do like a sushi dinner. Uh, but in my head with like, especially, you know, a r- surrounding Christmas. And I guess it comes yeah. from 
watching movies over the years, but you always see families go out or friends go out and they're hanging out and they're going out to eat. They're gathering with other people around the holidays and they're eating at these nice restaurants or they're going out for cocktails and stuff like that. I would really love to do that. I think that would just make a, a great night. Uh, but the problem of it is, is that when you live in the country, like me and Lexi do, all your friends are scattered about and most of y'all live, you know, 30 minutes away from each other, if not more. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's kind of, you know, majority of my family uh, lives in our vicinity, but uh, on the same hand, I mean, I, I would just really love to do that. You know, it's nice to go out and have cocktails and dinners like out in the, in the city, in the town and just hang out with friends or whatever and just enjoy a good night out. Uh, you know, I always get that. That's what images pop in my head when I think about Christmas, you know, and I guess that's part of the, the nicest, nicer part, you know, one of the nicer perks of living in the city. You have all that dining and all that entertainment um, at your fingertips, you know, and you have a plethora of it. And you can you have just a, a smorgasbord of what you want to eat, whether it be <laughs> right. sushi or steak or, you know, fish or vegan or whatever it is you're into, you know, and you can just pick and choose whatever you want. Uh, you know, that that's just just great a lot more options uh, yeah exactly so another one is do americans have like thanksgiving films that just never make it outside of america like christmas <laughs> films but more patriotism <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't I wish I, we did I, i'll be honest with you i don't really see i could be completely wrong about this but i don't see how Thanksgiving and patriotism have anything in common, or am I, I wrong guess about just that? Just because it's an American holiday. Maybe. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe so. I'll tell you my go-to Thanksgiving film: Son-in-Law. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like. I mean, because I don't know of any other ones. Do you? Well, I don't either. No. I mean, I'm sure there are some that you know it's. The premise of the film is, oh, everybody gets together at the grandparents' house, blah, 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 for the holidays, and it may be Thanksgiving, and we just don't think of it as a Thanksgiving movie. I don't know. Yeah. See, in my head, I would really love to be able to live somewhere where you can, I can walk outside and there's snow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I like that. You know, there's certain things that you do that just feel better in cold weather, dadgummit. Right. Does it and, snow there know, at all? Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time it did snow. Really? Yeah, it doesn't snow here. Wow. Uh, it, every now and again, every few years, we get graced with uh, just maybe, even if it's just a dusting. Um, but probably the last time it did was a few years ago. Okay. So another thing is uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use this question here, but uh, I'll get to why here in just a second. But the the point of this one is is that I feel like I mentioned while ago that there are certain things that. Uh, are better in the cold weather and drinking hot chocolate is one of them. So my question or their question is, wait, so do Americans actually call hot chocolate hot cocoa or is that just a cheesy Christmas movie type thing? <laughs> and to clarify, I call it hot chocolate. I don't know what Americans call it hot cocoa because, uh, you know, everything else is chocolate. So yeah. uh, I don't know why you would call it hot cocoa. I mean, it, it's, I, I understand... I mean, even Swiss Miss says hot chocolate. It doesn't say hot right. cocoa pie. I don't know. I'm assuming it does. I guess it does. Heck, I got some in there now. I should go look. Yeah, go check uh, it out. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's a cheesy Christmas movie trope. No one really calls it hot cocoa. No. 
And, you know, I'm lucky to drink hot chocolate on a 60 degree day. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, not to mention the fact that uh, I have, I've never tried these, so I'm trying them this year. I actually picked up a, I want to say it's a 10 or 12 pack of uh, hot chocolate bombs. Oh, those never, are fun. Yep. Never had them before, so I'm going to give them a shot this year. I have a cousin that makes those. Ooh. Gourmet hot chocolate bombs. Ooh, I bet those are good. I attempted to try and make some of my own here a while back, and I was like, nope, I just don't have the patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's another one. Once again, tying back to Christmas. But why do Americans celebrate Christmas twice? What the fuck is Thanksgiving? Sorry, my language. <laughs> <laughs> How do we celebrate it twice? I guess, I guess, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess other people look at us as like, you know, we do things more than most people. And I never, I don't see it that way, but I guess compared to what other, the way other people live, I guess it's the truth, but. Well, here they are two separate holidays. Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. Christmas is Christmas. They are two separate, two separate holidays. They just happen to be close in time, you know. That's right. One month right after the other but i don't it is kind of weird though i do sort of lump thanksgiving and christmas together like quote unquote the holidays right but then again they are two completely different holidays yeah alexia it, it it's strange i know it's strange to me and you because we are americans and we have our own traditions but it's probably even stranger to you know these uh people from who are not american or not from our country and uh, this this one next one just kind of blew my just completely blew my mind. But someone asks, do Americans actually have mac and cheese at Thanksgiving? <laughs> yes, we do. Now this is not no this is not the blue box of craft uh, mac and cheese. Absolutely not. Have. No, this is this is this is this is this is upper crust. Uh, this is higher than that. This is top shelf mac and cheese legitimate Um, mac and cheese yes this is a lot of this is homemade uh most of the time uh southern mothers um they like to they usually choose macaroni noodles for the most part other families may or other people may uh, prefer a different style of noodle but they all involve noodles uh you got some eggs you got some milk um you got a lot of cheese thrown in there you put it in a casserole dish and you throw it in the oven. Um, I know some people, uh, like in the past, uh, between my mother and my wife, they, somewhere along the lines, someone makes a uh, crock pot macaroni. Okay. Um, I think you were talking to me about crock pot mac and cheese the other day, and I was intrigued. I'm, I'm, maybe I did, um, because I know it takes a little bit while, you know, it takes a little while longer to cook, but believe you me, it is worth it. Okay. Um, yeah, it somehow or another it gets this all right you know the good stuff on top of the mac and cheese when it comes out of the oven and you get those uh they're not burnt but it's kind of like a a little bit more of a a hardened cheese like a crispy yeah it gets that on top but it gets it a majority all over the mac and cheese and so like when you dig into it you're getting a good portion of that as well um, there is, I've had some people's mac and cheese that it looks black on top. I'm like, why the hell is this burnt? Yeah. But what it is, is it's flavoring. I mean, it just takes the cheese flavor to a whole new level. And I was like, holy cow, oh. this is, this is amazing. 
Uh, but yes, we actually have mac and cheese here in America, and we absolutely love it. In my family, we've actually, we love mac and cheese. We have it any other time. We probably had it at Christmas. I don't remember ever having it at Thanksgiving, to tell you the truth. Really? Now, you know, when you first said mac and cheese, I'm like, absolutely, we have mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. I'm like, do we? I don't think we do. Really? But I think that's just a my family thing. We have so much other stuff. Yeah. A lot of times we'll have a broccoli cheese casserole. I think at our yep. house that kind of takes the place of macaroni and cheese. Okay. Um, but I am 100% in favor of mac and cheese. I support mac and cheese 100%. <laughs> for Thanksgiving, for Valentine's, for Christmas, for Easter, <laughs> anytime. Yes, I am pro mac and cheese. Me too. Um, I'm telling you, there's so many ways that you can make it. There's so many uh, different new spins on that recipe now. It's just mind-boggling. And uh, I think they're all for the better, for the most part. Yeah. Um, of course, you can try different cheeses. You can top Parmesan on it. You could probably throw in some bacon bits on that bad boy. And I'm sure it's just, oh, man, that, that just sounds great. Now I'm hungry. I don't think I've ever had a bad macaroni and cheese. No comment. <laughs> some better than others um i've started making one lately that has just kind of a my own twist on it i put bacon and green chilies in it and Ooh. i'll put it in a casserole dish and put um, breadcrumbs on top and cook it in the oven yeah i like that i think that's good that does sound good oh man yeah i'm ready for thanksgiving you're gonna go make <laughs> some mac and cheese i i've had some questionable mac and cheese uh over the years okay. um for the most part it's all good I'm not one to just pick up a random box of mac and cheese and just have it as a snack. Um, to I'd, me, that's where I, you'd go wrong, getting a box of mac and cheese. That's the I problem. agree. I agree. Not saying that, you know, if you, you're at lunch or whatever, you want a quick snack or whatever, that's great. That's fine. I mean, you can do that. I mean, yeah. I think they even make the little travel size they do. Uh, mac and cheeses now where you just, you know, add the, the cheese dust and the, the water and boil Hot it. And it's done. Yeah, that's it. So. I don't know. I never, uh, growing up, I never had the Kraft Blue Box mac and cheese. Never had it. Okay. I don't okay. think I ever had it until I got with my husband, and that's what he thought mac and cheese was. I said, no, honey, no. That's oh. not mac and cheese. It's the Taco Bell of mac and cheese. It's not real mac and cheese. <laughs> Kraft macaroni and cheese. Mama, <laughs> I want the blues. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's Blue Box substance i i don't even know what it is it's not mac and cheese it's good it has its yeah. own place in my life but it's not it mac does. and cheese yeah I'll i agree it it, it, it's not mac and cheese uh there are much better versions of mac and cheese out there although i it's not i don't think it was craft that made it i could be wrong uh i know the kids the teenagers the youngins the uh the little ones have been on a kick with hot spicy foods as of recently you mm -hmm. have taki that are trending Ugh, pretty well. I hate Takis. I, I'll eat them, but they're not the best, in my opinion. Then you have the, uh, what is it, like the Fire Cheetos? Fire, mm -hmm. che fire Cheetos. Um, they actually make, they started making the uh, the Hot Cheeto mac and cheese. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. I like the, mac, the Hot Mac and Cheese. My daughter picked up a couple of boxes. I think they were like a dollar a box, so it wasn't that uh -huh. bad. And uh, we made some, you know, fire hot whatever Cheeto mac and cheese. 
I thought it was pretty good. I was like, hey, this ain't bad. You know, you could doctor it up a little bit more and make oh, yeah. it more than what it is. And I said, wow, this is really great. Like, uh, I would like definitely pour like over a ranch packet or something. Oh, okay. It. Give it a little <laughs> bit more pizzazz. Yeah, I think that would be good. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, but I will warn you that the the color of the sauce on this is just like fire engine red. So <laughs> anything you cook it in or you stir it in or whatever, it's going to just go red. I'm just oh, telling Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's it, good to know. Pretty, <laughs> pretty, well, I'm going to have decent. to pick me up some of that. Yeah, go give it a shot. All right, guys. I know we've held out long, held out long enough. But now we're going to get into a story that I came across the other day that I was pretty intrigued with. And like our last story, this one actually takes place in Georgia as well. This one takes place in Oakville, Georgia. Um, I don't really have a name for this story, I guess. Maybe we'll come across one. But um, as of right now, I don't really have a name for it. Uh, this is one that, like I said, I came across. Lexi, I don't believe has heard it. Maybe she has, but as far as me telling her, I haven't told her because I wanted an honest reaction to it because I actually, I found this one really intriguing. So it's pretty good. So according to freakyfolktales.wordpress.com, as Americans gather for the Thanksgiving holiday, it is perhaps time to turn the clock back to one family feast that did not raise quite as much cheer. It tells of the terrible incidents that took place in a house in Oakville, Georgia, in the latter part of the 19th century. We're going back a ways. Right. The home was situated in the picturesque countryside and was the property of a farmer who went by the name of Walsingham. For some time, the house had been left deserted by its owner, and during the temporary absence of its material master, it passed into the hands of beings or forces uh, who wished to remain in undisputed possession. Now, when Walsingham and his family decided to return and take up their abode in the house, they were struck on the very first day by the peculiar, quote, feeling of the place. They could not decide in any way what this feeling was. This was a feeling similar to that they described as uh, claustrophobia. Hmm. Now, their dog who has a great name, and I think you can appreciate it. His name is Don Caesar. <laughs> Don Caesar. Okay. Yes. So their dog, their canine Don companion, Caesar. Don Caesar, he absolutely refused to enter the house. Ooh. Now, the family actually had to drag him inside. For those who have an affinity for pets, you may want to avert your ears. He immediately broke in out into furious barking. His back, the hairs on his back bristled up as if in anger, and he showed nothing but terror in his eyes. Now, this occurred several times during the day and even on into the evening. Uh, he was being attracted to a specific spot. You know, they could tell which spot it was because he would always he would always whine and howl around that specific spot. Now, Walsingham saw his dog uh, attacking what appeared to be some sort of invisible enemy. He, he didn't know what he was attacking, but he could tell that something was there and the dog was, was kind of, you know, fighting with whatever it was there that he couldn't see. Wow. So the dog, Don Caesar, at last sprang in the air. The dog jumped in the air as if he was lunging at someone's throat. But he fell back 
as if he received, like someone had just knocked the crap out of this dog. Poor dog. Now, when the owner, Walsingham, picked him up, his neck was found to be broken. Oh, gosh. Yeah, poor poor Don Caesar. Poor Don Caesar? For real. Now, they also, the family also had a family cat. What's the cat's name? It doesn't give a name. It just says Walsingham's cat. Okay. Sounds like. Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going. Uh, so, but the cat, on the other hand, he manifested every sign of delight at being in the home, which goes back to the um, the old adage that cats are pure evil. They are. Um, <laughs> but we love them. It's, yeah, we do. Um, the cat would stroll from room to room. He was purring loudly all the time, and it appeared to be that the cat would receive several strokes uh along its back and it you know how like a cat would go around on on your like he, they'll walk around your feet mm-hmm. and once they get close enough they'll nuzzle their neck along yeah. the back of your leg and it appeared that the cat was doing this several times throughout once the family had returned so to say that the walsinghams were amazed at these things would uh be to describe their feelings mildly they were very much upset but as of yet, they had no suspicion uh, of anything supernatural occurring in their home. But later that evening, right after dusk, the house was suddenly filled with shouts, groans, and hideous laughter heard by everyone inside the home. Um, it put everybody in a, in a state of panic immediately. Mrs. Walsingham, she was sitting in front of her mirror uh, at this time when she happened to see a man's hand upon her shoulder what yet there was no there was no reflection of it in the glass so she could see it physically on her shoulder but she could not see it in the glass that's freaky yeah there was no any uh arm or body apparent whatsoever in the glass itself so Walsingham, apparently he was uh, walking in the garden outside and it appeared that as he was walking he could see footprints uh, forming on the ground in front of him, in front of his path as to where he was walking. Though these things were crazy, they were weird, they were strange and uh, utterly terrifying, they were sufficient to make the family realize that some force, some paranormal force was at work here. But these little minor things would just completely pale in comparison of what was later yet to come. Yeah, the family was seated at supper with one or two guests uh, when their conversation was suddenly interrupted by a loud and horrible groan. It was it came from the room above, so it came from upstairs. Now, nobody really paid attention to it until one of the guests pointed out a stain of what looked like blood on the tablecloth. And it was then seen that some liquid was slowly dripping from the ceiling overhead. Oh, the liquid was so much like fresh shed blood. It horrified those around the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any kind of old, new, yeah, fresh, yeah, not fresh. Yesterday. Blood is blood. Yesterday. Exactly. But yeah, you know, you could chalk this up to some mad psychopath at whoever did this and that, you know, the whole manner in which it was carried out, everybody sitting around the dinner table uh, with, you know, you got guests over and then your ghost decided to act out because now my ceiling is dripping blood and it's on the table. 
Right. You know, you're ruining the, the my good, you're ruining my good napkins. Yeah. It's not very appetizing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Gotta go. Now, of course, those around the table that witnessed all this, they eventually kind of come to the conclusion after they talked amongst themselves that it was the possibility that someone had been murdered in the room above them. Uh, like, literally, they they were thinking that someone physically had been murdered in the room uh, while they were all downstairs eating dinner. They all sat silent because they were like, oh, well, I'm not going to go check it out. Are you going to go check it out? No, I'm not going to go check it out. Don Caesar. Oh, never mind. Aww. Don Caesar. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is when I'd forgotten about poor Don Caesar. And he was like, just let me get my dog, Don. Don. Don Caesar. Where are you, Don? Oh. Bad. That's my and best good dog. Is it not super morbid that they just automatically thought, yep, someone was murdered up there. That That's what happened. Yeah. Not, oh, I wonder I, if someone fell and hit their head and they're bleeding. Or, oh, I wonder if it's just something in the wood that, no, oh, someone was murdered. That's well, think That's about what it. it. Is. If you're if you're sitting at your Thanksgiving uh, table or your dining room table, and you hear a a loud thud or a loud moan following, <laughs> you know, and you, you see blood dripping from your wall, and uh, you're everybody that you know is in the house is at the dinner table, darling. I forgot what two plus two was, but uh, last time I checked, this ain't adding up. <laughs> so I mean, I, you know what I mean? I I don't know. It's uh, murder. Yeah, cold-blooded murder. Someone's murdering in my home. Oh, Lord, I have to sit down. I've got the vapors. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Now, why can't we make that a thing again? Like, where people, you know, like in the old shows or whatever, women would just faint. We need to bring that back. (laughs) You know? To where it's socially acceptable to just, oh, I just, I want to check out for a little bit. I'm just going to faint. Catch me. I think I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. And all I can think is Blanche Devereaux. Oh, yeah? Aren't you going to catch me, Dorothy? (laughs) Of course, everybody's sitting around the dinner table thinking, you know, hey, somebody needs to go check this out. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Oh, look, cranberry sauce. Thank you. I'll have some more. (laughs) And then here's the thing. Walsingham got up immediately, and he jumped up, and he ran upstairs. His son followed uh, suit. Now, they were heading upstairs to immediately swing the door open and whatever was there was going to be there and they were going to put an end to this. They had to find out what was causing this this strange red liquid to be dripping from the ceiling and onto the tablecloth. Right. And when they opened the door, the room was completely empty. No right. one in there whatsoever. No murder. No murder. Now, here's where it gets really freaky. They decided to tear up the carpet. Because apparently there was nothing on the carpet, but they tore up the carpet. And when they did, they found this same liquid soaked beneath the boards. Ooh. It was like soaked into the boards. Now, this there was no explanation for this whatsoever. So they took a small sample of this and they actually took it to a medical examiner. And under a microscope, microscope he was able to uh, declare that this was indeed human blood yikes yeah but it was not fresh human blood i'm assuming it doesn't say it doesn't say that it just says that it was indeed human blood Hmm. 
This happened to be entirely too much for the Walsinghams and the rest of the family, and they ended up leaving the house, and they moved to another house. Um, now, once they moved, this Walsingham house actually fell into uh, you know great disrepair, and um, stories of the occurrences that had occurred there at this home began to, of course, escape, and it, it, it found the ears of you know, a number of people who would repeat the story and so on and so forth. This is how you get local legends. Right. Eventually, people would, uh, they would avoid this place at all costs. Uh, they would avoid it during the day as, of course, well as uh, night. The neglect to the home did not do it any favors whatsoever because it only added to the lore and legend behind it. Right. The creepy old dilapidated mansion in the woods. Okay, now not to mention the fact that the way the house looked, it actually had a feeling about the property and the house. A lot of people said that once you step foot on the property, you got a very uh, a very strong sense of depression almost. <laughs> Most normal people said that it felt to them as if the atmosphere of, of the house and the location weighed more than anything else. Hmm. Sounds not unlike what the family felt when they first moved in. Well, see, here's the thing. The way the story goes is at the beginning of it, I think they were there at the home. And, of course, I think they, I'm not sure if they were the ones that actually built the home. But at the beginning of the story, they were there at the home and they actually left. It doesn't give a reason as to why they left. Right. But once upon their return, they returned home. But it says, like, during their time away, that something paranormal had taken up residence. There. Oh, no. Yeah, we don't know what, and of course the family didn't realize this at the time. So something came in and it just, it it took possession of the house and it did not want anybody else in there. Ghost that's squatter. the problem. Yeah, we don't know what, what was going on. Ghost squatter, that's, the, that's a good one. So then the family returned. I don't know why people would just be leaving their houses like this. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, where are you, know, you how going? How long are you going on vacation? They left the house, they come back, and of course, this is where all the calamity and terror and, you know, not-so-niceness all began. At this point, that the family had left the home, had already, for the second time, had left the home for quite some time. It had been several months since they had left the home. Now, a young man in the area, his name was Horace Gunn. Now, he happened to be a bit of a betting man. And uh, he got he he made a bet with one of his friends for a large amount of money that he would stay in the loan stay alone in the house for one night, and he had no, he would have no aid, no one to call upon if he was in trouble. Period. He had to stay in the home one night by himself. He wouldn't call nobody if he got in trouble. No one was there to help him whatsoever. So he was very enthusiastic. He was very he was very you know. Uh, strong-willed young man and he he set out to you know carry what he said he would do out right. so he went to the house one evening after dark uh or just before it was dark uh this is his own this is his story and the things that followed in his own words let me see here so we know horace is alive at least or well not anymore but or yeah, he might not be today, but he was at you know he he made it out alive uh, enough to write his write his memoirs on his on his experience in this house. 
Now, once again, I uh, I, will, I will draw upon the the acting gods in, in the in the southern draw wizard to pull it out of me to 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 uh, reincarnate Horus God. Well, this time it'll at least be uh, in character. La- last time around, you had a guy from I think what was it, Wisconsin, Illinois, whatever, and he had a very strong southern draw. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, so here we go. This is Horace Guns, in his own words, the events that took place the night he stayed in the Walsingham's home. I had been in the house about an hour, and nothing had happened. It was just beginning to get dark, and I thought that I would set about lighting a fire. Though I do not consider myself an expert in this art, I was very much surprised at being unable to do so. My matches went out one after the other, as if blown out by a strong drought. Once, when I had succeeded in lighting a piece of paper, it only smoldered for a few seconds and then went out. This was bad enough, as I had to give up the idea of a cheerful blaze to keep me company. But to my disgust, I found that my lamp would not light either. It was as if it were filled with water, instead of oil. It was now quite dark, and whilst I was looking about for some means of getting a light, there came a terrible yell of pain from underneath the house, and this was the signal for an outbreak of the most hideous and devilish noises. Oh, no. There were shouts, screams, groans. Please, darling, don't interrupt me. <laughs> Carry on. There were, there were shouts, screams, groans, laughter, thumping, and the continual running up and down stairs as of several heavy shod people. My hair bristled. I stood by the window, practically paralyzed with fear. And had I been, had I then been able to control my limbs, I would have fled from the house. I would have lost my wager and a hundred like it rather than stay in that haunt of fiends. Then, suddenly, the noises stopped. Complete silence fell on the place. But far from reassuring me, this made matters worse. For now, I dreaded the silence even more than I had the ghostly noises. All the time I listened, listened for something. Now and then I thought I heard soft footsteps drawing near me, but it was nothing. This waiting and dreading was far worse than the pandemonium of terror. I did not have long to wait for the next move, for in the darkness there suddenly appeared a small spot of grayish light on the wall opposite me. It grew larger and larger, altering in shape, until it assumed the outline of a human head, at the same time losing its flatness. Soon, it became a real head, floating in the air. Its hair was long and gray and matted together and had a deep and jagged cut in one temple. The whole face indicated suffering and misery. The eyes were wide open and gleamed with an unearthly fire while they seemed to direct their gaze upon me. The head moved about the room, but always the eyes were turned in my direction. 
Then it vanished. But there broke out in the room a loud and awe-inspiring wail as of several souls in anguish. I thought then that I could see dis indistinct shapes flitting about, and mustering up all my courage, I attempted to pass them and gain the door. But just as I reached it, I felt my ankle seized in a firm grasp. I was thrown down and felt fingers grasping at my throat. It's at this point that Mr. Gunn's story ceases. He was found by his friends the next morning. What? Unconscious on the floor, by the door, and bearing on his throat, quote, the marks of long, thin fingers with cruel, curved nails. After this experience, no one was found to have anything more to do with the house. Though a few people interested in such matters attempted to find out some reason for this terrible haunting. Though several avenues of investigation were explored, nothing very conclusive was discovered. The house had by this time acquired such an evil reputation that no one would occupy it, and it was ultimately demolished. Many human bones were found under it and in its grounds. How they came there was never known, but it was supposed that they had lain there for many years and were the bones of people who might have been murdered when the house was a roadside inn of very bad reputation. And herein perhaps lies an explanation for the hauntings at the house. It says, a few days before returning to his house, Mr. Walsingham, having discovered in the ground some old dried bones and not able to decide whether they were human or not, settled the matter as he thought by ordering them to be thrown into a lime kiln. Is it possible that the spirits of the men whose bones were thus so indecently treated summoned to their aid certain dark forces in order to make the place uninhabitable by mortals in revenge for the insult offered to their remains? Hmm. So basically what it's saying here is that human bones, after it was demolished, a bunch of human bones were found underneath the house, you know, strewn about the ground, so on and so forth. Uh, they don't know where it came from, but one... One theory is that back, apparently the house used to be an old roadside uh, hotel. And so apparently people were, they were thinking that maybe while it was a hotel, a lot of people had died or been murdered inside the home and they buried the bones underneath the house. And unbeknownst to the Walsinghams, who later come along and occupied the home, they didn't know anything about that. The person who owned it before the Walsinghams had it, whoever that was, whether that be the person who owned the inn or what, uh, they they left or whatever, and eventually Walsingham took over. So it's believed, like I said, that these bones were found in the ground underneath the home, and whoever had stayed there in the home prior, uh, if they had guests or whatever, long story short, the bones were underneath the house. They don't know where they came from. It was just suspected that a bunch of people had been murdered or died, and they buried the bones underneath the home. Now, when Walsingham actually came along and took ownership of the home, it says that he, when he when he returned home, or I guess this this is where the story is confusing for me it's a because convoluted. I don't know if this. Yeah, I don't know if this is like his first visit to the home, like the first time they're moving in. Uh, it says uh, a few days before returning to his house, 
Okay, so I don't know what time this was, but eventually Mr. Walsingham was returning home. He had made his way back to the home, and when he did, he actually found some bones, old dried bones, uh, along, you know, somewhere on the property. And when he did find those bones, he didn't know were they were they human, were they animal, what were they? He didn't know what they were. So he just went ahead and he he ordered someone to throw them in a lime kiln. I'm not quite sure what a lime kiln is. I know what a kiln is. It, mm-hmm. It's very hot. Right. <laughs> but maybe that just means like... With the, is, in the, yeah, that's like for pottery. Yeah, would the lime really do much to the bones if they're already stripped of flesh and whatnot? I don't know. It says a lime kiln is a kiln used for the calcination of limestone to produce the form of lime called quick lime. Uh, the chemical equation... Okay, the... I don't know, but it's getting up to 1,544 degrees, um, all the way up to 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So, I mean, it's getting pretty hot. Yeah. But anyway, he threw it into a kiln, nonetheless. And if you don't know what a kiln, kiln is, think of it as a really hot oven. I think they bake like pottery inside and ceramics and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, just to give you an idea of what it is, imagine an incinerator almost. And so he throws these bones in there. And uh, he's thinking, I don't know what these are. I don't I don't know how many he found to want to throw them away to get rid of them off out of his hands. Yeah. And it's at this point that it seems that because I believe this is before the hauntings. So when he returned to the home, he took the of course, he took the uh, he took the bones, threw them in the kiln. And some people speculate that this may have angered the spirits that were laying dormant in the home. And this really just like, no pun intended, set them on fire. Hmm. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't make me happy. But really, I don't know. I'd be dead. I don't think I'd care. But yeah, if you want a haunted place, that's how to get a haunted place. Start that's disturbing right. the, the dead folks under your house. That is correct. Not ask, good. Uh, ask Carol Ann. Yeah. <laughs> Carol Ann. But that is the story. I just wanted to get your honest reaction to it. I actually liked it. I don't remember ever hearing that one. That's creepy, though. Me neither. And where did you say this was again? In Georgia. Oakville, Georgia. Oakville, Georgia. Okay. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, that one's a new one on me. I enjoyed that story. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed that story. Yeah, if I've ever seen it or heard of it, it would have been a long time ago on some kind of, I don't know, show on the Discovery Channel, but I, I don't remember it. Yeah, I was actually preparing, you know, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I was actually preparing uh, some for some future shows coming up, some some Christmas shows coming up that we have. And uh, I actually come across one that took place in North Carolina. And that one, uh, it's pretty gory, pretty gruesome. But I was like, why haven't I never why haven't I never heard this? This was I was like, yeah, we're definitely talking about this one more on the true crime uh, aspect on the true crime uh, spectrum. But uh yeah, I was intrigued by that one as well. I said, this one's definitely going on the list. There's nothing more scary than things that actually happened. You know, that's... I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, I liked... Or, well, well I... That story spooked me. I can't say I liked it. Yeah. It, it scared me, but I liked it. It was a good story. It was. I was. I definitely enjoyed that one. Definitely enjoyed putting that one together. Um, 
well guys that this is your this is it this is your this is your main course i hope you enjoyed it i know we ran a little bit but it's all in the in good fun and, and the the holiday spirit and i hope we gave you something good to listen to something to kind of take your mind off of some other stuff that might be going on in in your in your life at this time you know i know the holidays can be quite stressful um i know you got a lot going on you know outside of your personal life we all do uh, so yeah we just wanted to we hope that this this the, these podcasts uh these shows uh find you well they find you good you know that they they really help you get through your day you know because uh you know like for me in my in my position i'm not allowed to listen to anything like that while i work uh unfortunately but on the commute to work and the way home i'm listening to podcasts because that's what i like some days i'm in the mood for music i'm listening to that too so uh but yeah for the most part i like i like spoken word content i like to hear what others have to say and uh like i said i'm thankful for lexi i think she brings a lot to the show and um matter of fact um i actually had someone pay me a comment uh a compliment about you the other day they thought really? that you added a lot to the show the yep as well they said they really like you being on the show i said yeah. very cool i said i enjoy her being on the show as well was it my mom no okay <laughs> actually believe it or not y'all we do have listeners and uh okay. <laughs> hi guys <laughs> but yeah it was a it was a listener a listener told me he said you you know um matter of fact it was miss cynthia sear with true hauntings and scary oh, stories okay. well hi miss that's cynthia. right yep so if you have a chance go check out her podcast uh cynthia sear uh True hauntings and scary stories. Um, she puts out a lot of paranormal content, uh, just just like we do. So, uh, but yeah, this has been fun. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. It's probably this what maybe hour hour and a half episode probably took us four and a half hours. Yeah, to get something done like that. <laughs> due to technical issues, yeah. that, you know, this is why it takes so long to uh, record some episodes. Some days are a lot easier than others. This one, not so much. Internet, it's something. It is Internet, something. Yeah. Thanks, Elon Musk. Yeah. Bring us Starlink. We're ready. Thanks, Ale Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> but guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope we brought a little festivity and sunshine into your life. As You know what? You, you actually... Now, last episode... Okay, before I get too far into my uh exit routine <laughs> uh last time she brought up a good point and i got i'm gonna ask this question once again i'll remind everybody if you listen on anchor or spotify you can go down into the show notes below and you can actually answer our poll we'd love to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear what you got to say so here's the deal this question for this episode is i'm afraid so but you're gonna have to type in your answer for this one but if you had the opportunity to sit down with any person, dead or alive, fake, well, <laughs> fiction or non-fiction, fake, okay. not fake. I sit with a lot of <laughs> fake people at a lot of holiday gatherings, sir. <laughs> Show you right. Um, <laughs> real or otherwise, then who would it be? If you had to share... Thanksgiving dinner with that one person living, dead, fake or not, who would it be? 
if you would fill that out, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll share some of your answers next time on the show. So we look forward to hearing what you have. We hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving holiday. I hope everybody stays safe. I know a lot of people travel during this time. Be careful out there. The weather and the COVID and the the flu, if we still have that, if that's a thing, <laughs> uh, just be careful out there. Y'all be careful. Be safe. Um, Lexi, you have anything you want to tell anybody? Hey, let us know if you listen to us on your drive to your holiday gathering. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that would be cool. We're good travel companions. Yeah. We're easy to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> yeah, I just usually zone out. I'm like, oh, did you say something? Oh, yeah, I'm just over here breathing. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, guys, hope you enjoy your travels, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. I hope you enjoy whatever festivities uh, you have planned for this week. I hope everything goes smooth for you. Um, one other thing, if you'd like to call and uh, you can leave us a voicemail, if you head to anchor.fm forward slash Southern Spectre and click on the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail. If you enjoying these shows, then please, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a, a podcast review. It really does help the show and we'd appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, Lexi, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too. We gonna try. This this bird's about to get stuffed. Yeah, your fried turkeys and your whatever else you got going on over there. Your little Debbies. That's right. Whatever you got. All right, guys. Y'all take care. Stay safe out there. <laughs>